Well, welcome to Grace This Weekend. Thanks for being here with us. And uh, if you're just here in the room, thanks for showing up today. If you've tuned in online, thanks for doing that as well. And uh, I'm Ryan. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And if we haven't met yet, love to meet you. Maybe hear how you made your way to Grace. And then, of course, as you just saw, we're in a new series. We're starting just today called Untamed. And uh, this is going to be, I think, a blast to walk into kind of a heavy-duty series as we're going to look at emotions and uh, the role that emotions play in our lives. And so we're going to look at things like anger and fear and envy and hurt. And we said that these emotions in and of themselves are not necessarily bad, right? That they're actually emotions are given to us by God. They're part of our makeup and our wiring. We're created to be emotional beings in part, just like we would have an intellect, just like we would have a volition, a will, an ability to make decisions. We're going to have emotions. But we said we all know that when emotions run wild, uh, when they're untamed, all kinds of bad things can happen. And we're going to we're going to see that in our culture all over the place. It doesn't take very long to look kind of at our world today to see what untamed emotion looks like. We're going to look in, in about a month. We're going to have Black Friday, and somebody's going to go to full-out rage mode over buying an Xbox, right? Like, that's going to happen here very, very soon. If you look at our political landscape, untamed emotion all over the place, right? It's easy to see it. When envy runs wild, when anger runs wild... Uh, when fear runs wild, when I don't take risks anymore and I can't chase down a dream anymore because I'm kind of crippled or paralyzed by fear, that's emotion has gone too far, right? It's kind of encroached on our lives and has affected us in deep, deep ways. And so we said we, we want to look at emotion and look at the role that it plays in our world and in our individual lives because some of us would have grown up hearing about emotion as something that is negative or evil or bad. It's something that, that I should not pay attention to. I should never even listen to it. Uh, it's something that I should kind of demonize in my life. Some of us were taught to deny our emotions, pretend they're not even there, right? That we're not emotional beings, kind of robots. And then some of us were taught that we should listen to every single emotion we have and make decisions off of that emotion, right? Kind of overtly we were taught those things and sometimes we were kind of, we caught that message from the people around us and we said, what would it look like instead of demonizing it, instead of denying our emotion, what would it look like to take that and bring it under the direction of Christ? If, if we were actually to kind of tame those emotions and use them for the good design that God gave for us, what would that look like? Would that affect our lives? if we could bring those under the control and the direction of Christ. Because here's the thing, if emotion is left untamed, at best it will limit who we're gonna become as individuals, right? It's gonna limit our potential. It's gonna limit our relationships. At worst, it can absolutely devastate us. And we can all think of situations that have played out, maybe in our lives or at least in the lives of people that we know, where emotion untamed emotion absolutely devastated a relationship. And if we could have gotten control of it, we could have got our minds around it, if we could have practiced self-control, boy, it would have changed the whole thing. It would have changed the whole game, right? That's what we're going to be diving into over the next bunch of weeks. I think it's going to be an incredibly important series, right? So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to see kind of emotion from God's perspective and understand how to 
involve Jesus in that aspect of our lives, if you're investigating what it means to be a Christ follower, you're gonna kind of see the Christian perspective on emotion. And often, I think the church, we as the church historically have missed on this one. Uh, a lot of times we'll, we'll talk about emotion as if it's, it's evil. Don't ever even entertain it. Don't even look at it. We wanna talk about it instead as how God designed us, right? That we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, with all of our intellect, our volition, and our emotion, so what does it look like to follow God in this area of our lives? And so we're gonna dive into a first conversation about this today, uh, looking first at the subject of hurt, of hurt. Because I think, I believe that what's underneath a lot of other emotions, uh, things like anger and sometimes fear, if you dig down deep enough, what you'll find underneath some of these secondary emotions is kind of this first one of hurt, where I was injured, I suffered a harm, and that harm has affected me in deep, deep ways. And what ends up showing up is things like anger and bitterness and resentment. And what shows up is fear, kind of a pulling back from life. So we wanted to start and really look and have a conversation first about what happens when hurt enters my life and then how to deal with it. Uh, what, what do I do with it when it does show up? Because we all, of course, know that hurt's going to happen. It's going to come into my life, and what do I do when it happens to me? One of the main things I want to show up before uh, we kind of dive deeper into the conversation is I want to make sure we know that hurt is important. Right? It, it's a, in some ways, it's a gift. Just like with physical pain, when I reach out and touch a hot stove, it's important for me to be able to feel that pain so I know I should not go there. Emotional hurt is the same way. If I didn't have emotional hurt, I would never know if I was being abused or used or mistreated in a relationship. It throws a flag, right? A warning flag to say, hey, something's wrong in this relationship. When hurt happens, I now know I should pay attention to this thing. Something's not quite right. Something's off and it needs to be looked at. It needs to have my attention because I need to deal with the situation differently, right? You say, Ryan, when you say hurt, what do you mean by that? It's a big word. Could you bring some definition for me? Let's start off and kind of use this definition of hurt, at least for the sake of our conversation today. Here's what we said. Hurt is the experience of feeling wronged by an individual group or institution, right? The feeling of being wronged by an individual group or institution. So this is when, uh, when I would look at my life and say that there's something that I should have been able to expect in a sane and realistic way, right? Like if you grew up with parents, you, you should be able to expect them to take care of you, right, and nurture you in some way. So if a parent abandons a child, there's going to be an injustice. There's gonna be something missing there. There's a hurt left behind that, right? Sometimes that happens at an individual level between friends or parents or siblings, sometimes that happens at a group level, that team hurt me in this way. That school institutionally hurt me in this way. And we can all think of situations where we would have experienced some kind of hurt on one of those different levels. Often, if we think of hurt, it's going to go into another set of words, words like this, uh, words like abandonment, words like mistreatment, neglect, uh, words like divorce. If you have the word divorce connected to your story in any way, uh, if you've gone through a divorce or you were raised in this, the context of a divorce, I guarantee you there's hurt attached to your story. It's just how it is. 
It's just kind of the design of it. And so all of us would look and say, betrayal. There's going to be hurt in our stories all along the way. And, And even as I start to talk about this, we can all think of hurts that have happened in our lives. We can think of broken relationships or things that are back in our past. Some of those things are kind of life altering hurts, massive ones, abuse, right? Major, major hurts. Some of those are relational breakdowns that have never been dealt with or never been interacted with. And, and there's something there, there's a hurt there. We would, might even say we know it's affecting us, but we're not really sure how. And this is what we're talking about when we're looking at the subject of hurt. Now, I think we all know this. When we're hurt, instantly it causes our radar to go off. And when I'm hurt, it makes it easy for me to start blaming other people and to start holding people to a standard that I'm not really willing to be held to myself, right? Jesus knew this. He would talk to us a little bit about this in Matthew chapter 7, Uh, You can just follow along with me here. If you want to open your Bible and read this, you can. There's some Bibles underneath the chairs there if you want to grab one of those. But Matthew 7 says this, Jesus talking, verses 1 through 5, he says this, do not judge or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and all the time there is a plank in your own eye? He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is driving at something that I think is really important for us to grab hold of. When hurt enters my life, it instantly begins to warp my vision, it changes how I view our relationship. Think about the last argument you've had. I just had an argument, a discussion, right, with a loved one in my life. And when we were in the heat of that discussion, I was totally convinced that it was their fault. Totally convinced. And I'm not going to tell you what it was. Don't even ask, right? Like, I, I, was just, I was convinced that that was their fault, The conflict was their fault. They started it. They responded. They misunderstood. And the reality was, it was largely my fault. But my vision was warped by that interaction. I felt hurt. They felt hurt. And here's what often is going to happen. Jesus is going to talk about this. Here's what I think he's pointing us to. I said this, hurt, hurt has a way of magnifying the offenses against us and minimizing our offenses against others. When I'm hurt, when I'm hurt, when you hurt me, right, or I hurt, you and I feel like the offenses against us are huge. They're massive. How could you do that? What were you thinking? How could anyone ever say that? How could they possibly think that was a good decision, right? The offenses against us feel massive. But when I think about my part in it, it, it's minimized. And even if it's not a conflict, even if someone totally wronged me, I did nothing to deserve that, nothing to ask for that, someone kind of poured out hurt onto my life, when I look at the hurts that I've caused to other people, my selfishness, my pride, the interactions that I've had with others, I'm going to have a tendency to minimize that in light of the hurts that came into my life. Just kind of how it is, right? What I want to know is that hurt is warping my vision, It's changing the way that I view life and how it 
rolls into my world. Uh, for me, I, a big hurt in my life was I was raised uh, in a situation where my dad checked out early. Right about, I was about one years old when my dad uh, disconnected from our family, and so I was kind of raised without my biological dad around. That would have left a huge gap in my life. Right? As a young adult, as a teenager, I would have thought, how could my dad not be here? I'm like, like where, where is he? What are you doing? Why don't you call? Right? Why don't you show up anywhere, dad? You know? The, the offense was huge. It was, it was massive in my life. And I had a hard time understanding how, how could somebody do that? But when I would look at my own offenses against other people, uh, my selfishness, the fact that I would live for my own goals and my own agendas and I'll run over you to get what I want, that's not a big deal. Right? I would never view what I did on any kind of level with what other people did against me. Now, the reality is, if I'm a follower of Jesus, here's what I actually believe. What I believe, if I'm a follower of Christ, and if you're investigating being a follower of Jesus, this is what Christ followers claim to, right, according to the Bible, is that all of us have offended God to the level that he actually had to send his own son to come live a perfect life here, put skin on, live and die innocently here and die for my sin that's how offensive we were to God. We, we've all done that. We've all hurt God, so to say. And most of us can think pretty quickly, if we're honest, about how we've hurt other people. So none of us can stand and say, I'm, I'm innocent. I haven't hurt anybody else. I've only been hurt. I've only been the victim in the situation, right? But when we run into hurt, it feels like we have been hurt far more than we've hurt others. As I was processing this through in my own story with one of our, uh, our former senior pastor, Pastor Bob Combs, he told me this principle and it blew my mind. So helpful. Here, here's what he said. He said, Ryan, hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. This is so helpful. Here's what he meant. He says, hurting people hurt people. He said, if you want to understand why somebody does what they did, almost always behind their action, behind that word that was said, behind that decision that was made, what you're gonna find if you uncover all that is pain. Almost always, hurting people hurt people. Now, you might look at me and say, well, does that excuse what they did, Ryan? Like, hurting people are still doing something wrong. Absolutely doesn't. Doesn't excuse it. The, the fact that my dad checked out was wrong. It was wrong. Absolutely was. As I got to know my dad as an adult, I learned some things about his story, though, that helped me understand him and helped me have compassion for him on a different level. My, my dad, when he was seven years old, watched his dad have a heart attack and die right in front of him. Grew up with no dad. Ne never knew his father, basically. And he would have grown up fatherless, didn't know how to be a father, wasn't raised by a man and didn't know how to raise a man and he was hurt and didn't know what to do with it and hurting people hurt people. And here's the thing, as, as that hurt rolled into my life, I started to see a major temptation for me to continue to hurt others the way that I have been hurt. Started to see it affect me, right? And this is how all of us 
can process this, right? As I look at the hurt that has rolled into my life, the abandonment or the neglect or just a, just a good old-fashioned conflict with someone, the instant response, it's tempting for me to try to judge you, but when I look at your pain, when I look at the fact that hurting people hurt people, all of a sudden I can find a compassion for you that wasn't there before. When I can understand that you might have a story where your life was jacked from youth. Your parents split, your mom checked out, your dad, your parents an alcoholic, your you're operating under a diagnosis that's brand new over the last couple of weeks. Your loved one is suffering in a way that we don't know anything about. You might be under the most severe trial of your entire life. Right? Well, we never know most of these things. But underneath all of this action, underneath the words that were spoken, often there's going to be a hurt that we, if we can take time to see it, we can see this principle happening, that hurting people hurt people. I want to understand that. Now, here's what I can start to think about. As I start to process the fact that hurting people hurt people, I want to start to kind of get above it. I want to see it on a higher plane. Because if I look back over my life, I can see pain rolling through generations to the, to the next generation, the next generation into my life. There's a cycle that's playing out. That person who's an alcoholic was raised by an alcoholic who was abused by someone who's, right? And now that's come into my world. And now I'm left with a decision to make. As I begin to see that hurting people hurt people and it cycles through and it lands in my lap, now I'm left with a decision. Am I going to become the person who does the very thing that was done to me? Am I going to become the one who was offended and now I become the offender or am I going to break that cycle? That's the question. Will I move from victim to victimizer? Will the pain and the destruction that's rolled into my life roll right through mine into my kids' lives or the people around me's lives or will I take a different path? Right? That, that's why this conversation, in my opinion, is absolutely huge. At the end of the day, many of the most harmful decisions that we make are rooted in and motivated by undealt with, unprocessed pain. So I'm left with a couple options, right? I have a unique story. I have been hurt by people often who are hurting people. And now I got to choose what do I do with this hurt? Right? Because it's going to lead me to a place of bitterness and resentment if I don't do anything with it. Here's what the writer of Hebrews would say. He says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The writer of Hebrews is capturing something here. He said, make sure nobody falls short of the grace of God. Make sure that no one loses sight of the fact that God loved you and I enough to pay for every hurtful word, every impure thought, right? every unholy action that you and I would have acted upon. God loved us enough to pay for that. It's the grace of God. It's the favor of God. He's saying, make sure no one misses that and that we don't live in light of it. If we look and say, justice is mine, I've got to get 
my pound of flesh out of this person. I'm gonna judge in a way that I could never be judged or be held accountable to. What will happen is I'm gonna land in a place of bitterness. That's where anger is gonna lead the vast majority of the time, right? When hurt and anger and bitterness start to fire up, it's like a poison in my life. And what it'll do is it will hollow me out from the inside, and I'll become a shell of the person that I once was, right? So bitterness causes me to grow cold in my relationships. It steals my joy. It quiets and dulls out my passion, and it limits my ability to have interactions in solid, healthy relationships. See to it that, right, no bitter root grows up, he says, and then causes trouble and defiles many. Here's the thing. If I don't deal with my hurt and I become a bitter person, it's not just going to affect me. It's going to affect the people around me. If you think of a bitter person that you would know of in your life, they bleed out the poison of bitterness to the people around them. I know they do. That's how it works, right? People are poisoned by that. They're affected by it. They're hurt by it. And that will continue on as a cycle as it rolls into the next generation's bitterness is massive. And you say, right, well, how do we stop this thing, right? How, what's the antidote to bitterness? Hurt's going to happen because we live in an imperfect fallen world. All of us are imperfect people. We've all experienced pain and hurt in our lives. If that's the natural trajectory of where we go, what's the antidote, right? How do we stop it? I would look at you and say, the, the antidote to bitterness, ready, is forgiveness, it's forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the most difficult decisions a human being can ever make. It just is. It's some of the hardest work we'll ever do. But forgiveness creates the most freedom of any decision a human being can make. Here, here's what Paul would say. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. Paul would look at other Christ followers and say, hey, you know what God did for you? You know the lengths that God went to to forgive you? His love and his grace in your life? I want you to do for others what was done for you. I want you to forgive as you've been forgiven. Now, usually when I start talking to an individual like in a counseling situation about forgiving and going back and dealing with something in our lives, usually what somebody says to me is they'll look back and say, Ryan, I'd... I would forgive, but, and usually, usually there's a big reason right here. And usually the reason has something to, to do with this. It has something to do with rebuilding the relationship. Let's say, Ryan, I can't forgive because my dad passed away. I can't get back and rebuild that relationship. I can't forgive because I can't go back and rebuild this relationship with my ex, right? Or this person I used to date or you name it, right? There's a situation that usually plays out. And here's one of the most freeing things to learn. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. They're two different things. So I would say it. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Forgiveness is something that happens in me. Reconciliation is something that happens between us. They're two separate things. I can forgive you without you ever asking for forgiveness. I can forgive you without you feeling sorry for it. I can forgive you even, 
even without you needing to be alive. Forgiveness is something that I can do. I have the power to do that all on my own. It's something that happens in me. Reconciliation, the rebuilding of a relationship, is something that is a secondary conversation. See, forgiveness can happen in a moment, and rebuilding of trust happens over time. They're two separate things. Separate those in your mind. If I can isolate forgiveness, it becomes the antidote to bitterness. It becomes the way that I can move forward. Okay, now here's why this all matters. Here's why this all matters. If I'm gonna have hurt in my life, and I'm going to, I'm a human being, and it's gonna lead me somewhere. It's either gonna lead me to a place of bitterness or it's gonna lead me to a place where I'm gonna need to embrace forgiveness so I can find freedom. I I gotta figure out how to process this. And here's what I would say. This is the most important thing I'm gonna say all day. You gotta go back to go forward. You gotta go back to go forward. I need to go back and deal with the hurt the right way if I wanna move forward in life. Let me show you how this works. When When a hurt happens in my life, and it's a significant hurt. It's like an anchor is dropped into my life, or a kettlebell, right? Like that, that's what happens. There's, there's like an anchor dropped in my life, and when that hurt hits, right, it hits hard, and it lands, and, and what happens is I'm attached to that anchor. It's as if that thing is connected to me now, And I might not realize it at the time, but as that anchor is dropped into my life, it's going to affect me eventually. Now, I might live and not feel it. I I might keep going. And as that hurt happens, what's going to happen is I'm going to feel all kinds of temptation to never deal with that thing ever again, right? When somebody hurts me, I just want to go, I want to move on. I don't want to mess with that. I want to forget about it. I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about counseling. Just like leave it in the, can't we just move on? I mean, I hear that a lot, right? Can't we just move on and forget about it? And so what we'll do, I'm this way too, you guys. This is why I'm so passionate about it. What we'll do is we'll go to unbelievable lengths, like enormous lengths, to cover this sucker up and just make it go away. Man, I'm gonna get so crazy busy right now. You hurt me? Busy. Oh, I'm so busy. I would deal with this enormous, huge anchor in my life if I wasn't so busy. I mean, it's crazy how busy I am. I have so much Xbox to play, it's nuts, right? I have, my kids are in 1,500 sports leagues. Crazy, can't deal with that. I, man, I've got to make money. My career is just taking off. It's going crazy. All of a sudden, I'm going to pick up some habits. Uh, maybe I'm getting really crazy about getting ripped and getting in the gym because I, I, all of a sudden, this is important. I might pick up some bad habits. Man, I, might start, I might start drinking just a little bit more. I might start looking a little more porn. Right? I might start flirting a little more at work. I might get a little more addicted to social media. Anything, anything except to deal with this sucker right here. Anything, right? And and whatever I can do to put a Band-Aid on this guy, I'm gonna do it. 
cover it up, leave it alone. Just let me move on. But here's the reality. That anchor's dropped, and it's attached to me. And at the end of the day, it's going to affect me. You're like, oh, snap, he just came down. (laughs) It's going to affect me. I'm moving on in life. I'm trying to have good, solid relationships, healthy marriage. And all of a sudden, what is that thing? What, what is, why can't I go forward, right? I want to have depth. I want to have passion and joy in life. What, what, is, what is that? What's going on back there? And what will happen is it'll start to tug on me and limit me. And I can fight against it and I can pull against it. But at the end of the day, I'm stuck, Right? And we'll fight it and we'll move against it. But, but here's what I think happens more often than not. We'll feel the tension back there. Right? We'll feel the weight. We'll feel the anchor. And we'll conclude that this is just as good as life gets. Passion, wonder, those are things that happen in childhood. Deep, meaningful relationships, it's a pipe dream. It's as good as it gets. See? This is as far as I'm going to go. And we'll back off and we'll get stuck right here. And we'll start to die that day, a little bit on the inside, and we'll cave to bitterness and we'll cave to our hurt. Now, if we actually want to move forward, if we want vibrant relationships and real friendships, if we actually want depth in our life and passion and joy that gets us out of bed in the morning, we got to go back to go forward, right? And I might have to face the fact that I tried real hard with a good chunk of my life and energy to cover this bad boy up. I might have to look back and say, man, a, a huge amount of my life and circumstances was spent just trying really hard not to look at this. Well, what did I cover it all up with? How much running and dodging and energy did I spend? How much more hurt did I cause just not dealing with that thing? Say, Ryan, what do we do with it, man? How how do we unhook this from our lives? Here's what I'd say. We embrace forgiveness. Forgiveness names the offense what it really is. It owns the fact that it really hurt. And then it releases the need for justice by submitting it to Christ. So I got to look at this big 70-pound anchor right here. I got to go back and name it what it was. I was hurt. I was abused. I was mistreated. In my story, I was abandoned by my father. And I got to own the fact that, that that hurt affected me. 
It wasn't no big deal. I can't just blow it off. I was dented by that. I was impacted by it. It made me question my worth. It made me feel used or abused. It made me feel unloved. And rather than fighting to get justice, here's the decision point. I look at the offense, I name it what it is, I admit that it affected me, and I choose to release it. I look at Jesus and say, you're the judge, not me. I can't make it right. I can't go back in time and fix it and make you not do what you did. All I can do is say, I choose to forgive you. Right? From the inside out. It's not the same as reconciliation. It's a different decision. When I release myself from the anchor, the opportunities are unlimited. I mean, I can grow again. I can move forward. I can find passion again. I can find zeal for living. I don't have to be cold in my relationships with people anymore. I don't have to stop midway and say, I guess this all there is. And this powerful. Jordan Lee, one of our residents, came up with this picture. I thought it, it captures it perfectly. I said, Jordan, that's exactly what happens, man. The anchor is dropped, and I don't even realize it at the time, but it's going to affect me, and I've got to deal with it if I'm going to move on. You, you got to hear me. Because I know right now I'm, I'm taking us to some of the most painful places some of us, all of us probably have ever been. I'm not doing that to drudge up junk in our lives and hurt us needlessly. I'm taking us there because that point is the limiting factor in becoming who God wants us to become. And there's no single decision that I could call you to as a follower of Jesus that will unlock love and joy and vibrancy in your life more than going back and forgiving as you have been forgiven. That has been true in my life. I got to work this stuff through. I got to go back and, and look and say, I got to forgive my dad. I, I'm never going to have the kind of dad I wanted to have. Lord, that's up to you. I'm going to trust you with it. I would look at you and say, you didn't have the marriage you wanted to have. That divorce, it happened. That abuse, it happened. That mistreatment, it happened. Can we name it what it was? Can we admit how it felt? And then can we release the person and say, Jesus, this is up to you. I'm not the judge, you are. Free me from it. I want to love. I want to trust again. I will not be bound by this anymore.
and hurt will destroy our lives if left undealt with. And I love you too much not to tell you that. So you say, Ryan, what do we do? I think step one is looking and saying, Lord, help me to see how much I've been forgiven. Help me to see the grace that you've poured into my life. Every careless word, every reckless action. And then God, would you give me the courage to go back and to stare at the very thing that I have gone to such great lengths to avoid? Would you uncover the anchors? And then, Lord, would you give me the grace to forgive, to be free, to release the chokehold that hurt can have on my life? Listen, we, you don't have to do this alone. If you need help walking this through, we're here. I needed help. You probably will too. And the deeper the wound, the more limiting the rope, the heavier the anchor, the more help you're going to need. But don't stay here. Cut the anchor loose. Go back to go forward. Find the freedom that Jesus died to give you. Have the band come out. Would you pray with me? Would you allow Jesus to open your heart to what he has to say to you today? Father, we, we feel this conversation deeply. And Lord, we need you. I need you. We need to see the the lengths that you've gone to in our lives to forgive us. Lord, you don't look at us and, and judge and condemn. You accept us completely after everything that we've done to you. And Lord, you long for us to have freedom. Would you give us the courage to go back and to face off with the biggest hurts that we've experienced in our lives? To do the hard work. God, as we do that, would you unlock freedom in our lives? Joy and passion. And help us to believe that it's all worth it as we break the cycles that poured out in our lives. Meet us here, Lord. Help us now. It's in your name we pray, Christ. Amen.